One of the uh, brethren that helps do the marketing for uh, Family Search uh, was there, and he said that in the work that he's been doing in in, in uh, genealogy and trying to find ancestors and everything, he says he's had so many experiences now that he no longer has faith in the next in the, the spirit world. He has perfect knowledge. And I thought, well, that's interesting. You just kind of get to that level. It happens enough. You just don't have to rely on faith anymore because you've had. So much perfect knowledge about it. And I would guess that there are those in this room who no longer have faith in the spirit world because you have had the kind of experiences that say, I have a perfect knowledge, I no longer have faith. So I hadn't thought of it that way. Okay. Um, I thought what I'd do, if you will, if you will indulge me for just a second. Um, anybody from Canada? Grew up in Canada? Okay. Um, there could be. There, there could be, be yes. Uh, we, we, we're, we've been celebrating uh, Veterans Day this weekend, and, and uh, Canada kind of takes it one step farther. On the 11th day of the 11th month of the 11th hour, which is Armistice Day, the day that they signed the end of World War I. And in, in Canada, what they do is wherever you are on the 11th day of the 11th hour, uh, they will stop and do two minutes of silence. And there was a uh, a songwriter in Canada who was in a grocery store, even in grocery stores, everything stops for two minutes while we're going to observe two minutes of silence. But I just, I, I love that tradition. I've got to do that here. Uh, and he saw a guy in the grocery store dragging his daughter along that uh, uh, wasn't paying attention to the two minutes. He was just kind of being rude and then got into an argument with the clerk during the two minutes of silence. So uh, anyway, he did a, it's kind of been my... Um, my Veterans Day tradition uh, to play the video that he made of that. So, you'll indulge me. Good morning, shoppers. At 11 o'clock on this 11th day of November, we'd like to invite you to share with us two minutes of silence in honor of our veterans. Often some died for their homeland. They fought and some died. Now it's our land. Look at his little child. There's no fear in her eyes. Could he not show respect for other dads who have died? Take two minutes, would you mind? It's a pittance of time for the boy.
How about that? that give us a good note to get started with? <laughs> All right. Well, good morning. As we, uh, as we now get into uh, section 93 of the Doctrine and Covenants, uh, we deliberately, like I mentioned before, uh, in putting these classes together, this was one of those classes that I wanted to make sure that I had a full 90 minutes to... to work with 93, just because it's so deep, that there, we may have, along with maybe section 88, uh, one of, some of the deepest doctrinal uh, sections that we have, 
and we can get lost in some of the terminology if we're not careful. But you're going to find that there are a couple of themes that the Lord wants to make sure that we hear on this. And they, these should jump out at you. So, let me start with a uh, quote from uh, Prophet Joseph. It is the first principle of the gospel to know for a certainty the character of God. And to know that we may converse with him as one man converses with another. Why would this be the first principle of the gospel? Without knowing what? That there is a, a God the Father. Right. And that it has operated. He carries that name. Okay. Why does everything else rest on that? Nothing else would really make sense unless you understood God. Yeah, and, and understand completely his character. Yeah. Yeah, his character. Because on earth we experience all kinds of good and bad in our lives and then we look at the male figures in our lives as maybe good or bad but to know based on our experience with authority figures or male figures or something like that but to know who he really is then we can really rely on him and trust him okay who are we trying to become like if, we're gonna, if he wants us to be like him, what attributes and characteristics does he have? And that's why I say I think sometimes, uh, Wendy, I like where you're going with that, because uh, maybe it's just in my experience where I end up working with people that have had bad experiences with authority figures or fathers or whatever, and the idea of here is this heavenly father, and I, or, and I want to put on him the traits in maybe some of the men I've had experiences with or something, or, or just authority figures or something where I start to say, you know, are they just playing with me? Do they toy with me? Do they, do they really love me? Do they really care about me? Do they really want me to get everything that I want? Are they going to hold some back? Are they going to be jealous or all of that kind of stuff? Okay, yeah. And that's two more words to Become who we are right now. If the better we understand Him, the more likely we are to understand Ourselves, And there's a parallel here. Corey, you're getting to kind of what you're going to find section 93 is. It is this. You're going to find this parallel. Here's God and here's who you are. And 93 is that. So, perfect. Okay? Now, does that make a difference if you're going to, when you're going to try and offer up a prayer? Who it is that you're visualizing is there? Is this a God that's really listening? Or is he just really kind of tolerant of me? You know, is he just putting up with my stuff? Or does he really want to be there? Is he going to do it quickly? Is he going to drag his feet? Does he still love me? Does he love other people more? I mean, there's, a, there's all of these issues that swirl around this. Okay? All right. So let's look at... Along with that, let's look at DNC uh, 93... If we're going to try and get the entire purpose and look at verse 19. I give unto you these sayings. And I think this is, this is the doctrine of covenants and the scriptures in general. But boy, I really think it specifically also means the things that are contained in 93. 
I give unto you these sayings that ye may understand and know what? How to worship and what to worship. We're about to get the what and the how. That you may come unto the Father in my name and in due time receive of his fullness. And we're going to talk about fullness. Fully. I think. So. Somebody wanted to, to read. Uh, John, you got that? I'm going to read the, the quote by Premium. Um, you see it? Prophet Premium. <clears throat> the Prophet Brigham Young. Of this, the dispensation taught us that if any of us could see God, we are striving see the God we are striving to serve. If we could see our Father who dwells in the heavens, we should learn that we are as well acquainted with Him as we are with our earthly Father. And He would be as familiar to us in the expressions of His countenance as we should be ready to embrace him if we had the privilege. Isn't that nice? If we, in other words, if, we, if God were suddenly standing in front of us, the Father, we would look at him and we would go, of course. Of course. Suddenly those memories and all of that time spent with him in the eternities would come back to us in a rush and we go, he is familiar to me as I am with my own father. That's who we're, that's who we're praying to. Okay? Alright. So that said then, let's find out from these sayings what we worship and who we worship and how we're supposed to go about doing that. Uh, let's let's uh, start with... Uh, Verse 1, Verily thus saith the Lord, it shall come to pass that every soul who forsaketh his sin and cometh unto me and calleth on my name and obeyeth my voice and keep my commandments shall see my face and know that I am. Amen. Verse 2, This person that we worship, And that I am the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Okay? Now, this idea of light that, that we've just sung about, if we're looking at the idea that uh, the Lord is my light, by day and by night His presence is near, uh, though clouds may arise, faith stronger than sight looks up through the skies where Jesus forever doth reign. Now, this idea of light. Where do we first find out about light? The creation. The creation, sure. So let's, let's hop over. I've got it uh, uh, set up there. Moses 2, two through, 3 through 4. There's an interesting phrase here. And I, God, said, let there be light... And there was light, and I saw the and I God saw the light, and the light was good, and I God divided the light from the darkness. Okay, how do you do that? How do you divide light from darkness? 
let's see, I think I'll put the dark in this room or the light in this. I'm somehow going to grab this dark and I'm going to put it over here and I will grab this light and I will put it over here. How do you divide light from dark? The absence of light. Okay, darkness is, the, the, I mean, the, the uh, real um, definition of darkness would be the absence of light. Okay, so how are you going to divide light from dark? Okay, so if you've got your light here, your beacon here, not very bright, but let's put it up here. Okay, so how are you going to do it? If you're God, you're going to say, okay, I have light that's good, and I have darkness. How am I going to divide it? Yeah. There is a regular rotation to that. Okay? But think about what, what God's saying. He's saying, I'm going to go out to this kind of this unformed area out here, and, and I have light, and light is good, and I'm now going to, but there's darkness there, now I'm going to divide it. How do I divide it? Does that make sense? Because in a sense, good job, because that is the next, that's kind of the next level underneath that. We might just say, well, he just put light here, and that would drive darkness away, right? But in essence, what we're going to find out about us uh, in about a half hour is that we are light, that we are full of light and truth. So in essence, one, one way of looking at that would be, if I'm going to divide light from dark, what am I doing? I'm taking those that are filled with light, and I'm going to put them here, and those that are filled with darkness, and I may have to cast them out. That would be one way of looking at it. I don't know if that's completely it, but that sort of makes sense to me. Okay? So have that problem here. Mm. Had, had, had the work happened? No, I don't know if we necessarily have. I don't think so. I think the war in heaven had happened before the creation. Yes. What about that verse right before it? It says, "Let there be light." Yes. Let there be light. Okay. As we're going to find out, and that light, his name would be Jehovah. He's going to, and he's going to say, "I am the." Firstborn, and I am the. He can say, "Let me let me go back here." I at verse two, I am the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, so let there be light. There was light, and I God saw the light, and the light was. Good. Yeah. Okay. So someone's talking about how we're receptacles of light, and yeah. I don't quite agree with their thing that you couldn't be receptacles of evil. And the scripture I found was in Matthew, because I think you can be either or. I don't think yeah. light is just the absence of darkness. That's right, because darkness but is going to forsake. Because in Matthew six twenty three it says, "But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness?" Yeah. 
Yeah. And so hang on to that because we're going to get very individual here. Um, I got called the light day. <coughs> By the way, uh, I don't think I linked this. I don't want to drive you guys nuts. Let me just say, if you go to first... Anybody been to Nauvoo? Okay. Nauvoo Temple? Nauvoo Temple has a bunch of stars on it, right? Okay. One of those sets of stars, so, some are, are perfect uh, pointed stars. There are several, especially the ones right above the pillars. They are blue stars, and they have... Uh, equal points on the, on the top part, but the bottom one is longer. Okay? That's called the day star. That is symbolic of Christ. He is the day star. Okay? And I called the light, what? and the light was called what? Day. Day. Yeah. He's the day star. Okay? And the darkness I called night. Um, which, and, and that's why it's so tragic. What, is, what does Lucifer mean? Light bearer. It gives you some idea of how far tragically he fell. And this I did by the word. What's the word? Christ. Christ. Of my power. And this was done as I spake in the evening and the morning for the first day. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's what I say. If you start to wrap your head around this, suddenly the symbolism, you, you begin to see it everywhere. It just opens the door and you go, oh, yeah, there it is. And when we're together, we're, we're going to be taught and we're going to be enlightened. Okay? Uh, uh, last night, uh, those of us who were uh, priesthood holders in the Plano State met in, in this room and we were enlightened by our state president who taught us certain things that we needed to be able to do. Okay? Um, now, let, let, can I take this just to a personal level for a second? Think about the concept. The Lord says, I'm going to start, I'm going to take, take this space here where there is darkness and then I'm going to divide the light simply by placing light in here and darkness flees from the light. Or in this case, had to be cast down. That's how that works. Okay. Now, how many? For how many of us, though, do we do we carry that darkness inside us? And I don't care whether it's some kind of depression or loneliness or discouragement or um, uh, we watch relatives that are struggling in the gospel. It could be our own kids. It could be our siblings. And we care, or it could be someone that has uh, slighted us, or put us down, or someone was rude to us, a bishop said the wrong things, and we carry darkness. And everywhere we go, we carry that darkness. And he says, this light is good. If you will let me, if you will open your heart, what will I do? I will fill it with light. And separate that out, and I will drive the darkness away. Now, think back to the creation for a second. First of all, he's going to divide the light from the dark. Then what is he going to do? Once the light is there, the next step is he starts to create, doesn't he? I'm going to create a place of beauty. And then what am I going to do? 
I'm going to place things in this place of beauty that grow. And every, because everything grows in the light, doesn't it? Even weeds. Everything grows in the light. So what he says is if you're carrying around darkness, what I want to be able to do is fill you with light, drive the darkness away, I will place beauty there, and I will place things in it that grow. Think Alma 32 and the seed and that grows into a tree of life. Open up your heart. I will fill it with light. I will drive away the darkness. That makes sense? That's what I said. At so many levels, the, the symbolism in here is just beautiful. By the way, if you're, in the, if you're in the dark, you tend to be colder, right? How do you feel in the light, in the sun? Soak in the sun, the warmth of all of that. Yeah. Do you, do you generally feel a little bit more relaxed? Do you feel that warmth? Okay. In the cold, you kind of pull in, you shiver in the warm, you kind of. You see it? It's kind of. I want, I want you to put all those images in your head when we're when we're going through this. Okay. Any comments on that? Does that make sense? Oh no, it's Monday, we're trying. Okay. Okay, so. Now. I am the true light, he says in 93, that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And it's like I, I picture, I do picture him kind of, kind of going, just follow, I'm here, just you know, make your way through the darkness and find me. I'm, there are going to be lesser lights. There are going to be false lights. But they, but they go out. I'm the true light. Hang, hang, hang in here. Okay? Make your way to the lighthouse. Kind of thing. Okay? Jessica, you got to... Yeah. kind of question is, why did Lucifer go from being called Lucifer to be called Satan? Oh. Because it, it feels like to me all of a sudden that he got a name change somewhere. He did, didn't he? She, she says, why, why would Lucifer, the light bearer, could almost... That's why I say, here's one of the noble and great ones. Okay? In there. And, he's, uh, and he is a son of the morning. Because there's only... Only when they talk about creation or the premortal life does it appear they use Lucifer. That's right. Everywhere else. So apparently when he came down here, he took on another name as well. I don't know what, I don't know what Satan means in the Greek. By the way, I'll bet it's not good. <laughs> um, but but I, but that's a good way of looking at. It. In other words, he would have lost that name title uh, that it, where he was the light bearer, and now he's here. Okay, so Savior says, "I'm the true light." Then he's going to use a phrase that has caused consternation in Christianity forever, and still does. It's one of those reasons why it is that a lot of people don't believe. That we're Christian. I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and the Father and I are one. Now, he's about to give you the explanation for what that means. I am the Father, why? What did he get from the Father? His fullness. Now, we're about to learn a couple of things, and the Savior is going to say this over, and he's going to repeat this over and over in 93. There's some things he wants you to know. 
that he received the fullness. That's why we can at times call, there's a number of reasons we can call the Savior, Jesus Christ, the Father. One is he saying, I received of his fullness. Why else might we call the Savior the Father? Messiah 4, he's going to talk about, I'm going to give you a new name. You're now going to be, once you're converted, you become begotten sons and daughters of Christ. So in, that, in the gospel sense, he becomes our father. Okay? So would his fullness be his light? He gave Christ his light. Okay, you're getting it. You're getting it. Uh, because there's going to be some specific things that he's going to say. To receive of his fullness, we're about to find out it's light and truth. There's going to be knowledge that goes with this, yeah. It's what? Yes, he's taken on his traits of his father. Okay, so much so, and and I think it's fascinating too that when Alma talks about the fact that as we become more like him, that we take on his image. It's his image on your countenance. Remember when the brethren, his his disciples said, "When do we get to see the father?" And what does he say? Haven't you been with me long enough to recognize that if you're seeing me, you're seeing the Father? Now, most of Christianity takes that literally. To say, the, the Father is standing in front of him. He says, no, I am so much like the Father. I'm filled with his fullness that to see me act and talk and the things that I do and how I say, maybe even my mannerisms, might be just like my Father. And if, and if you saw my Father, you'd go... Oh, this is so familiar to me. So let me go back to Brigham Young's statement. If we saw the Father, He would be very familiar to us. Why? Because we have His life. Yes. Yes. He would be familiar to us because we would be like Him. And we would be surrounded by people. Uh, it's, it's fascinating to me, and I'm not sure exactly how this works, and, and it could just be partly psychological, that when I see little babies, and, and we have people in the ward, and it's like, what a beautiful little baby. And here's another little beautiful baby. When my grandkids are born, universally, Cindy and I will always look at them and go, they're familiar. They're, they're one of us. There's something about them that we have seen before in the face of our kids when that, they were that age. It's familiar. They're ours. And we know they're ours. Disney reference. Everything goes back to Disney. Yes, Yeah. Because <laughs> it was familiar. Yeah, yeah, it sounded familiar. Yeah. <laughs> I always figured the voice of God sounded like James Earl Jones. <laughs> so, this is CNN. Most. Yeah. Oh, you like more Sean Connery. <laughs> Welcome to my rock. <laughs> okay. 
I am, okay, so I am in the Father, the Father in me. The Father because He gave me of His fullness. The Son because I was in the world and made flesh my tabernacle and dwelt among the sons of men. I was in the world and received of my Father. Now, He needs a witness. He wants to give you a witness of who He is. It's always a law of witnesses. So now you are about to get a quote from a book that we do not have. Is not available to us. We have, and there, there's one other place that we have part of this book, and it's the book of John the Baptist. It's the book of John the Baptist. We don't have it, but we have. And at the end of this, he's going to say, "You're going to get the fullness of this one day." But right now, you just get the. And we have two places where this is quoted a little bit. Okay, section ninety-three. Anybody know where the other one is? John, the first book of John. And, and the first book of John says, the God is the, the Word, the Word was made flesh. And if you read those first few verses of John, you're thinking when you start that you're listening to John the Revelator, John the Beloved. No, you're not. You're listening to John the Baptist. And you're going to get it in a little bit more detail in section 93. So here comes this witness of who Jesus is, who we worship, and the, kind, and the fullness that He received. And John saw and bore record of the fullness of my glory. Really? He did. And the fullness of John's record is hereafter to be revealed. But I'm going to give you a snippet. And he bore record saying, I saw His glory. He was in the beginning before the world was. Therefore, in the beginning was the Word. For He was the Word, the messenger of salvation, the light and redeemer of the world, the spirit of truth, who came into the world because the world was made by Him and in Him was the life of men. Worlds were made by Him. Men were made by Him. All things were made by Him and through Him and of Him. And I, John, bear record that I beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, the Spirit of truth, which came down and dwelt in flesh and dwelt among us. Now, here's the key. I, John, saw that he received not the fullness at first. Now, I've mentioned this before. But can you, I, would you love to see that moment somewhere and I don't know where how old he was, but at some point in his ministry, probably before age 12, there's a moment when this boy is 9 or 10 or 11. And I, maybe it was, I want to think it was maybe someone like, that it would fall to someone like Michael, Adam. Maybe Adam came and stood before him and said, uh, and said to him, how would he call him, by the way? What was the only name that Jesus ever heard in his mortal life? Jesus is Greek. Yahshua. 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 I, I, I am Adam. You've read about me in synagogue and everything. And Yahshua, you are my master. You created all of I'm, I'm your captain, but you're my king. 
Everything that you see out here, you create. Can you imagine to a young boy? This is why the full I mean the fullness of this to just land on him with his head to come piece by piece. How do you drop something like that on a boy? And he gets to be older and older. Now you've got that knowledge. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you be I, I know what, what would happen with me. If I knew that at 10 and 11, and I'm going off to junior high and some kid's bullying me. <laughs> you don't realize who you're messing with, do you? <laughs> if you only knew you know, or we don't know how, what kind of, you know, he was, he was receiving the fullness a bit at a time. Did he have some powers that go with that? I mean, did he want to, I'm going to zap you or wilt you or something like that? It's like having this knowledge and hanging on to it. I think it's a little bit interesting. We have a, we have a echo of this in, in Hollywood, do we not? Think of the superheroes. They always have this this secret identity that they don't tell anybody who they really are. I'm not supposed to use my, my Superman heroes, or my Spider-Man heroes, their powers. Yeah. No, we don't. How much came from Mary? How much came from Joseph? How much came from angels? Somewhere in there, this, this, and that's why I say you get this sense of this, he didn't know it at first. But bit by bit, from a variety of teachers, he's learning more and more. And as his mind is growing and maturing from childhood, that he's growing in favor with God and man, and knowledge and understanding of who he really is. But John wants us to know that he didn't have the fullness at first. That this is something that slowly came. Yeah. I can't imagine that he didn't actually know the Father. And that at some point, there's a Father. Yeah, yeah. This this wonderful man that has been raising you, Joseph, is one of my choice servants. And I love him for everything that he's doing. But I'm your father. It's magnificent being in front. Wow, what a moment. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you're about to see you're about to see the pattern because you're about to find out that we are the same way. That's what this that's what ninety three is all about. It's about let's learn about the Savior, then let's find out about us. And, he, and he's gonna the Savior's gonna very carefully draw parallels between himself and us. So that's why I say let's, we're just looking at the Savior at the moment. You learn grace for grace. Full you know, they have fullness. Yeah, and, and just that, that little bit of a germ of an idea that says, really, it's, it's bigger than I, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's going to, now he's going to repeat us. I repeat it. Twelve, I saw that he had not received the fullness of first, but grace for grace, which I think is an interesting way of saying he learned. Line upon line, but it's not just learning, it is grace for grace. I'm going to gain his fullness gift by gift. 
Tender mercy by tender mercy. Grace for grace is the term that is used for growth. Not like I graduated from the second grade to the third grade, third grade, fourth grade. It's grace by grace. And he received not of the fullness of first, but continued from grace to grace until he received the fullness. And thus he was called the Son of God because he had not received the fullness at first. When it repeats like that, and I, and I almost mapped it out so you could actually see there's a chiastic parallelism that he's making sure that you get. But when they use parallelism, it's like I'm going to repeat it over and over. So that it, it's important for us to understand then, the Savior was called the Son because he didn't get the fullness at first, but he grew grace by grace until he grew into a fullness. Yeah. Was John Fifteen. I, John, bear record, and lo, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Ghost descended upon him in the form of the dove, and sat upon him, and there was a voice out of heaven, this is my beloved Son. I, John, bear record that he received a fullness of the glory of the Father, and received all power both in heaven and earth, and glory of the Father was with him, for he dwelt in him. How much he knew before he baptized, we don't know. But it's interesting that he's tying it into the baptismal experience. So there's at least a pretty good chance here, I think, that if he didn't completely understand, we we just think, okay, we baptize him, the dove comes down, and and we kind of go from there. No, apparently there was was a massive amount of knowledge that at that moment, John knew that he was standing in the water with the Son of God who was being filled at that moment with the fullness of the Father. And he would go record it and put it in his book that we're waiting to see the rest of the book. Not a long book. He kind of, you know, life was good until he got to prison and and lost his head over that. Um, There's still so much here. And this is, and again, the Savior is going to say, I want you to know who I am and I'm going to go to my cousin John and he will be a witness that I didn't receive the fullness of first, but eventually I did. And this is how it worked. Okay? That makes sense? Yeah. <coughs> so, what do you think, why is this so important to us that they're making sure that we get it? And they're repeating it and they're putting it in a way that says, look at this. Why is it important to us? That's the question. And it's the question you should be asking. I love where your head's going with that. Because what it says is, it's being driven home over and over and over. Why is that? Why is this such an important, critical point that the Savior is going to make sure this is who I was in the pre-existence? I didn't receive the fullness of first. I ultimately received the fullness because now what he's going to do, he's, he's, quoted, he's quoted his cousin, John. Then he's going to say, by the way, came to pass, if you're faithful, you'll receive this fullness of the record. Now, he's not done yet. So he's got one witness. Here comes the second witness to make sure you understand these concepts. I say unto you, I was in the beginning with the Father and am the firstborn. And all those who are, all those, now your first, is your first inkling why it is that this becomes so important. All those who are begotten through me are what? Partakers of the glory. What glory? The fullness of the Father. 
and are, in fact, it will have its own separate church. Ultimately, it's the church of the firstborn, which is the celestial kingdom, I think. I think that's the, I think that's the sacrament meeting we go to in the celestial kingdom. I think it's the church of the firstborn. Now, so let's back out of here for just a second. Because I want you to see, here's what he's really trying to drive home. Here's what John wants us to know. Number one, Jesus Christ was the firstborn. He was the creator. He took on a mortal body. He grew from grace to grace. Finally, he received the fullness of the Father. Grace is that kind of something that's bestowed heavenly upon him? Yeah. Yeah. Is that the definition of grace? Grace is everything you think it is. It's the grace that is the atonement. It is the it is the growth. It's, it's the gift that we receive from heaven. So he grew grace to grace. Was that, does that mean he received this? I think, I think he, he received endowments of power, endowments of knowledge, which then he grew. He grew with more intelligence. And then, it, then he advanced. We can't grow Yes, we can. Yes, we Hang can. on. It's right where we're going. It's the whole purpose of 93. It is the purpose of 93. Okay, so he's given us the pattern. Here's the Savior. Okay, now. And he is the light of the world. Light. Now, in the middle of all of this, look at verse 24. This is kind of the pivot point. Because Pilate, when he's in the middle of interrogating the Savior, says to him, what is true? What what is true? Then he doesn't really stick around for an answer. What is true? Okay, by the way. Okay? You're about to... Here's the definition of truth. What is truth? Truth is a knowledge of things that have been, things that are, things that are coming, right? Neil Maxwell says this is a three-act, kind of three-act play kind of thing. There's knowledge on all three spheres that we need to understand. So that's what truth is. And whatsoever is more or less than this is the spirit of the wicked one. What can be more than truth? A lie, a deception, a deception, perception, exaggerations. We never exaggerate in the church. We never do faith promoting rumors in this church. Then we're going to add more truth to it, make it a little bit more dramatic. Okay. And I'll be saying, you need to, this, this needs to be a search for truth. And he's about to teach you the truth. Truth is this knowledge of things as they are and as they were and as they are to come. And whatsoever is more or less than this, the spirit of the wicked one. Now, interestingly enough, if you hop down to 30, so I say this could get real deep, and I don't want to 
way too deeply because then we miss the powerful application that's about to come here and the reason for 93. What else do we know about truth? According to verse 30. That's a weird phrase, isn't it? Truth is independent. Whoa. So truth is independent in that sphere in which God has placed it to act for itself. Teach this one to the 12-year-olds on Sunday. <laughs> so what is truth? Well, you see, truth is independent in the sphere in which God has placed it. Yeah. And it acts for itself. And it acts for itself. Yeah, truth is going to be out here acting for itself in the sphere in which God has placed it. You understand now? Yeah. It doesn't change. Can we go back to service and charity? This is killing me. In that sphere, that could be. I think for 12-year-olds, the thing, truth stands alone, why are you friends? Truth stands regardless of anything else. If something is true, all the other talking and flapping about it makes it not true. Okay? I've been reading, I've been reading a number of uh, the, the uh, pundits who've been saying the reason why kind of pro-life anti-abortion candidates were losing is that they're just not up on the time. The, the electorate has changed. And if you just kind of get caught up, you know, you quit losing elections. Which means, join us! You know, quit get, give up on some of this, these old-fashioned extreme right-wing things like abortion is wrong. And they're saying... And, and, and we're saying truth is truth. It, it, it doesn't change, does it? Okay. Now, here's the fascinating one. So truth is independent. Nothing changes truth. It is what it is. Ah, 31. Here is the agency of man. And here is the Condemnation. Will you accept truth or not? Um, you know, I was saying there, you know, the devil's a liar from the beginning and all this. Yeah. I don't remember where I heard this, but we talk all the time about learning line upon line, precept upon precept. Mm-hmm. Somewhere I heard where the devil teaches lie upon lie. Lie upon lie. Oh, I like that. And it's not grace for grace, obviously. Um, And in fact, most of how Satan works is through pure deception. Uh, C.S. Lewis had an interesting phrase that he used. Um, He talked about the fact that so many Christians, uh, how do you put it? They they are, uh, they do uh, Christianity and. Meaning that they'll try and do Christianity and the newest philosophy. Christianity and uh, the newest fashion. Christianity and, in other words, trying to somehow, I'm going to do what I want to do and then somehow weave Christianity and my beliefs into it to kind of. And we never do Mormonism and, do we? <laughs> try and make what we believe in out here and make it fit into Mormonism in the way that it is publicly acceptable that it looks prettier 
Because if we're going to stand up and say something is... In, in this world these days, if you stand in front of a group of people and you say something is wrong, what, what's the response? You're going to judge me, right? That's a, that's a judgment thing. You're being mean. You're being mean-spirited if you say something's wrong. Say, but it's the truth. I, I don't want to hear the truth. You can't handle the truth. Okay? So we get this whole thing about what is truth. And he's trying to tell you what the truth is here. What is the truth about the Savior? For whatever else, anybody else wants to say about it. He was a creator. He is the light of the world. He grew by grace by grace. Line upon line. Grew into a fullness. And, the tr- and that is the truth of who he is. For all the other pundits who want to make him a wise leader, uh, a Confucius type, threw out nice little proverb things that he really didn't do miracles. The truth is, this is who he is. I like what verse 37 says about truth. Because I don't think we look at it quite that way. Hold on to that one. That's where we're going right now. Okay, so now let's go back to what he's trying to tell us. This is, and again, let's come back to the purpose why I think this is here. Let's start with 27. Oh, yeah, start with 27. Because now he's about to take it to the next level. We know the truth about who the Savior is. But all the way through 93, he wants you to really understand something else. And no man receiveth a fullness unless he keepeth his commandments. He that keepeth his commandments receiveth light and truth until he is glorified in truth and knoweth all things. Who's he talking about? Us. Us. Everything that the Savior has just talked about about himself, he means that to be a parallel for our lives. That is the message of 93. Let's walk, it, let's walk it through. He goes, look at 29. Man was in the beginning with God. Intelligence or the light of truth was not created nor made. So where were you in the pre-existence? With God. And, and before you were a spirit, before you had a spirit body, you were a intelligence. intelligence. Well, what's the definition of Intelligence. Light and truth. You weren't just a sparkle in your mother's eye. In in the pre-existence, he says, you were light. You were true. And the Father bathed you in a spirit body that was glowing. It was full of light. And meaning that it's full of light, it was also full of truth. Isn't that cool? But how could one third of us leave? There's the question. We're about to go. And we had agency to act independently in that sphere. That's what he's talking about. One of those spheres is the pre-existence. Oh, in other words, when before this life, when we lived there, we were full of light and knowledge and truth, and we had our free agency. 
And it wasn't. And 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 where where in the scriptures, by the way, do you find the word free agency? Nowhere. No, it's called agency or moral agency because it's never free. You know, it always has its consequences depending on how we use it. Yeah. No. Right. Yeah. Right. That in other words, this light and knowledge has always existed. The truth of the universe, the natural laws of the universe, have always been there. Truth is independent. You can't. And so was evil. Yeah. There's always been this fought, this fight against that. Okay. And so what he's saying is, in, in the beginning, um, let's see. So, now, for man is spirit, the elements are eternal and spirit. When separated, man cannot receive the fullness of joy. Uh, now, what he's trying to teach us about our real natures and who we are. This is where this gets, like I say, a, a little bit heavier. Look at verse 38. Every spirit of man was innocent in the beginning. Meaning where? When we were created spiritually. Yes. We, and when we were created spiritually where? In free existence. We were innocent there. We were full of light and knowledge. Okay. And God having redeemed man from the fall, men became, there's a really critical word here, became again in their infant state, innocent before God. Okay. Now, if you were in the pre-existence and you're filled with light and knowledge and all of that, and you have your agency... In order to have an agency, you must have the ability to choose. And the ability to choose the wrong choices. So as we were talking about in, in Alma 13, in the pre-existence, did we have the ability to choose wrongly? Sure. Did we have the ability to sin? Sure, we did. Did we sin? Yes. Yes, we did. And what he's telling you is, and, and again, I'm not going to spend a long time going on it and go back and look at Alma 13. Did we sit in the pre-existence? Sure we did. And what did we draw on for us to become so that we would be, so we could become again in our infant state when we're born, innocent before God? The atonement. That's the beautiful part about the atonement. We used it in the pre-mortal life. We made our choices, we repented, and, and so that we could come into this life pure and innocent and work. That's why this was kind of a rebirth. Yeah? So if we had the uh, ability to sin and we're sinning in the career of life, are we not living in the presence of God? Not constantly. Because that wouldn't work either, would it? We had to have the ability, uh, because remember, all of the noble and great ones, that God says, these have proven themselves. Well, how do you prove yourself in the pre-existence if you're always standing next to God? You had to have the ability to make wrong choices. 
You had to have the ability at sometimes to make wrong choices, to repent, feel remorse, draw on that atonement to come, and be clean again, and then prove that you wanted to keep the commandments. And you did it. That's why you are that's why you are members of the church and holders of the gospel today, is that you were you did that. That's who you are. That's part of this that 93 is trying to tell you. You are more powerful than you know. Yeah. If we had all of those experiences in the premier life, yeah. we had the opportunity to make choices, good and bad, and repent of them, then why is this life so important? I mean, I recognize ah. that the differences that ah. we have a body now, but... So if we did that, if we kind of proved ourselves, in a sense, coming to earth would be like, we have to start over again? Why? Why would we have to do this? Yeah. Well, it's just—it's the whole—it's the immortality, eternal life, and mankind, step by step. First, we had our spirits; we were growing grace by grace, and we're there. Uh huh. We came to Earth, and we're—we have a body and a spirit, and we have agency, and we are. The goal is to become like our Father. Yeah. And we have to do it step by step, just as He, just as as they did. Okay. Now, look at verse 35. The elements, our physical body, our physical body is the tabernacle of God. Haven't we heard that? Haven't we heard our body is a temple? Okay? Um, so we always tell the, the girls, right? My body's, a, my body's a temple and you don't have a recommend? Okay? The elements are tabernacle of God, yea, man is the tabernacle of God, even temples. Now let's stop for a second. So, so how do we build a temple? We're going to take the kind of best elements, right? We put it together, we build it. At that moment it's still like any other building, is it, is it not? For all of the wonderful things that Solomon put into his temple, the gold and the silver and the carbuncles and uh, emeralds and... Stuff. The cedars of Lebanon, everything that made the Temple of Solomon magnificent. But it was still a really, really just a pretty building. Until what? And what happened to dedication? It was filled with light. The shine hub. The, the remember, even Solomon, everybody backs off like they did with the tabernacle like they did at the, at the top of Sinai. The glory, the shine ha of God descends and fills the temple. It fills the tabernacle and sanctifies it. Uh, uh, up to that point, it was Sinai was just a mountain. The temple of Solomon was a pretty building until the light and power and fullness and glory of God came and filled that Edifice. Now, what did he just tell you about you? Your elements, your physical body, the reason we came was because you are a tabernacle. You are a temple. Waiting for what? The fullness of God, the glory, the light to descend upon you and fill you up. The term that is sometimes used a lot in the scripture is you're an empty vessel. And the vessel has to be cleaned out. And once the old wine is removed, then what happens? Then you become, 
this vessel that is then filled with the glory of God. Remember, Nephi looking through the, the ages at, uh, at Mary said, wow, she was a chosen vessel. And she's like, be it unto me even as the Lord would, you know, whatever. That's that childlike, that moment when we say, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And he says, great. I can now fill you with my glory. I can fill you with my knowledge. And how will I do it all at once? How am I going to do it? Grace by grace. Peace by peace. Knowledge by knowledge. That is how and why we worship. So that we put ourselves in a position to be filled grace by grace, light by light, knowledge by knowledge, week by week. And more and more that is cleaned out and our temple is filled with the glory of God. Is that cool? I notice we don't see that brightness in the temple. Is it something more we feel versus something more we see? Yeah, it's not as tangible. Uh, I mean, in the old days, boy, they, everybody just backed off because that cloud rested over the temple of Solomon and there was no missing it. Okay. Uh, and isn't it interesting, by the way, there are a number of people that now go to the temple and are improperly prepared, or maybe go to the temple unworthily, or just emotionally are not ready for the symbolism that exists in the temple. And they go to the temple and they come out of there going, well, that was weird. I don't get that at all. That's not like sacrament. And they completely miss it. And then for those that are properly prepared to go to the temple, or those of you who have been, you get yourself to a perfect place, you go to the temple and, wow. Where's the light? In us. Don't we carry it out of there, that peace, that, that shine hot lives in us? See what 93 is about? Isn't it awesome? Okay. So... Part of what it's trying to get to then is the idea that John teaches us that Jesus Christ was all these things. We're the church of the firstborn. We helped Him create. You were the noble and great ones. You also took on a mortal body. You're going to grow from grace to grace. You can receive the fullness of the Father through the Savior. And now there's one last piece here. And that is, who are we? We are light bearers. We are a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. And we're, just, we're to hold our light up so others can see Christ. Yep. Yeah. I'm thinking about writing a book called Life Under the Bushel. <laughs> <laughs> but I've had this light. It's there. Now if I'm going to hide it, and I'm going to hide it from my neighbors and, and all that. That doesn't work. And he says, no, I'm the light of the world and you're supposed to preach me. You're supposed to bring the light. to. And what happens when we do that to someone who is wandering or discouraged or depressed uh, or struggling? What are we doing? We're going to separate the light from the darkness. Are we? Let me bring you light. Let me separate the darkness. Let me show you something beautiful and God will make it grow. That's 93. 
So we now become the intelligence or the light of the world. Okay, now. But you can see that light in other people. Don't we see the light in, in one another? Some glow. Yeah. You can actually see people that have the celestial glow. You can actually see that. I, I was talking to a, a group of people over the weekend, and I asked them to each come up with uh, somebody that. Uh, we're talking about living a surrendered life. And that's that moment where you open up your vessel and you just say, whatever the Lord wants to put in here, I'm here. And I ask them, have you ever been around somebody that you feel like is living that surrendered life? What are they like? What are their attributes like? What are they, how do you feel around them? And every one of us, I think, have people that just, when we're close by them, we just kind of go, ah. This is one of those people. I want to be like that. Now, by the way, we also recognize, and I'm not, <laughs> but I want to be like them. But I'm better than him. Yeah. <laughs> but at least I'm not bad. Yeah. That's so true. Um, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet, but at least I'm not those guys. <laughs> okay, now, I find it fascinating here, and I, I, it's no accident that after we get this, all this beautiful parallel, the Savior says, this is who I am, this is the witnesses that say who I am, and based on this, this is who you are, and I want you to be like me. And I want you to be filled with light as I am. And I want you to find the truth as I am the truth. All that kind of stuff. Then listen to the interesting turn that this section does. Verse 40. But I have commanded you what? Uh Uh-oh. To bring up your children in light and truth. Darkness a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can go to that dark side, yeah. Okay, I want you to raise your children in light and truth. Let's take those one. First of all, what's truth? Knowledge, right? Knowledge of things as they were and are and all. Okay, so I need you to bring to your kids truth. Why light? What does the light do? It enables you to understand this truth. Raise your kids in truth and light. Teach them logic. Teach them knowledge filled with light. Uh, who was I was talking to? Up here, here. That that one of the things that their uh, uh, student at BYU on parent uh, orientation day told them that uh, the goal is at BYU that every class will be taught under the light of the gospel. doesn't matter whether it's you know, European history or geology. And, true, and knowledge is that way. It is knowledge filled with light. So what we're supposed to do is, is teach our kids in light and truth, and then he starts going after the first presidency. Now, by the way, I think this is one of those proofs 
that Joseph Smith was a prophet. If you're just making this stuff up and you're kind of a charismatic leader, the last thing you're going to put in here in your revelations is a slam on yourself. And Joseph, bless his heart, on a regular basis, just kept putting in all of the, well, you've sinned, you're going to be removed out of your way, you know, you're screwing up, uh, you trusted men more than you should have, you know. And Joseph is just doodlefully, you know, I, you have to think there are times he's writing it down and he's probably going, couldn't we erase this part? <laughs> I mean, this is knowledge between you and I. Do we really have to, I get it, but do we really have to publish these verses? I can be off the record. No, it's on the record. Okay. Frederick G. Williams, you have not taught your children light and truth according to the commandments, and that wicked one hath power as yet over them. Over you. Yeah. Why? Well, my thought was back to what you just said. We don't care if it's on the record if we've truly repented of it. It's yeah. only if we haven't truly repented of something do we still not want anybody to know that we've messed up. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's ask. Why would... Uh, if you have not taught your children light and truth, the wicked one still has power over you. Not over them. Over you. Yeah, that's kind of what I did. Bill's attorney. Why is it that the wicked one, if we don't teach our kids light and truth, the wicked one still has power over us? Because yeah. we, we've, we've done wrong. And when you're saying you're wrong, you're in. And what, is our, and what do you think? What has our sin been? Not teaching our children. Okay, it's not. It's just it's a lack. Of, but why? Why are we doing it? it? Makes sense, doesn't it? Wouldn't it make sense to teach them light and truth? How, okay, yeah, I should teach my children light and truth. Obviously, I'm not doing it because I'm like really rebellious. Do we have it? I think we don't understand it ourselves. If we don't understand it. How can we teach it to our children? Does that make sense? In other words, we still think it's about us. Yeah. That's where we want to be directing our kids. Yeah. In other words, I'm not teaching it because I ain't God. Yeah. Several years ago, I tried to teach my son some of these. I was sharing some of these verses with him and uh, trying to explain a little bit about Christ. You know, I, could, I could sense that he wasn't grasping some of these principles. Yeah, yeah. I find that it's not what you're teaching so much, but how you teach it. When I got through, he said, I said, well, now you see the purpose of Christ and what he is. And he said, well, isn't that kind of egotistical? I thought, well, how? You know, he didn't understand that Christ has hurdled the hurdle and he wants us to join him. Yeah. It, it isn't that he's looking down at us and saying, I'm better than you. He wants us to <coughs> like him. Yeah, isn't it interesting that those who do not understand would like to make Christ like us? Like to bring him down to our level. He's just a common guy. You know, they want to bring him down here. And, and that's why so, so many of the churches fret when we say things like, 
God was once a man. Or that uh, Jesus and Satan were brothers. And they go, well. And we're trying to say, no, this shows the heights. Not that we're trying to attain to that. And that he, the Savior intends us to become like God. Grace by grace. Full and, and our job is to hold up our light, the light of Christ, not just to the world, but especially to who? Right in front of our kids. Yeah. And how many times have you heard people say, well, I'm not going to drag my kids to church or I'm not going to teach them because they need to make their own way. Oh, okay, good. I have the light. Wander around in the darkness. See how many things you can hit in the dark. Good luck. I hope you find the light on your own. Because I got it, but I'm not going to show it to you. How many good books can you read in the dark? Yeah, how many good? Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and, and let me just finish with this also. Because we talked about the, uh, the idea that some people seem to glow. And, and the way that we teach it, not just what we say to them, but how it's done. I think ultimately, if we're going to teach in the spirit of light, we're going to teach in the spirit of truth, how are we going to teach our kids? With love. Yeah, it's going to be with love and kindness and light and gentleness. Uh, you're going to go to church. I'm going to make sure you're there. You will enjoy it. <laughs> Give me that stuff. God will hate you forever. <laughs> as long as you're living under my roof, dang it, you will be there. And you will smile. And willingly pay your time. And you will or, smile you're, or you're grounded. And you will smile so the rest of the world doesn't know. And, and that's right. You'll smile. <laughs> yeah. So nobody else knows about this, about this conversation. Sometimes we're well-intentioned, but we just don't completely understand how this works. Um, let me just finish with this. It's in the uh, in the Plano State. We're doing a uh, we're bring, we're taking our youth to Nauvoo uh, over spring break, fourteen and fourteen days. And part of the process of trying to get them ready is trying to get them that that. Uh, President Wiley has really felt strongly about the fact that in order to get these kids ready, that the goal of the whole thing is to actually get them to the Nauvoo Temple to do baptisms for the dead. Part of that process is having them research and do genealogy uh, so that they take their own names to the Nauvoo Temple to do baptisms for the dead. Okay? Why would we? Why that? Wouldn't it just be a nice spring break trip? Why, why do we want to do that? Yeah, you're going to have to sacrifice and 
What are we trying to engage these youth with? Spirit of Elijah. Because our whole goal is to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the promises that they may understand the promises of the father. If they will do that, they will understand truth and we hope by doing that that they'll understand who they are. That's, that to me is the whole goal of 93. Let me, just, let me just finish with this. 93 is magnificent in teaching us who the Savior is. But more importantly, it should be teaching us who we are. That like Him, we were in the pre-existence through, our, through obedience and repentance that we made it to this earth with all the blessings of the gospel that we can grow grace by grace, knowledge by knowledge, peace by peace. He doesn't expect us to have it all at first. That He will slowly fill us, fill us with light. And as we do that, then we share that light with others, especially our children and those around us. What a wonderful blessing that is. Uh, I pray that we can kind of keep an eye on that, and keep, especially as we start looking, we start taking a look in the next uh, couple of weeks about the second coming and all the fearful things that are sitting out there and the adversity to come. If we maintain our light, we'll be okay. And I leave that with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Share this with others that we might be able to carry it with us throughout the day. Help us that we might be able to be a light to others and bring service to them. We're so grateful for the, the blessings of this wonderful Veterans Day. And I ask that we might be able to carry that in our hearts also. And we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Oh, uh, that one? In the Journal of Discourses, I just don't remember. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Short uh, client Saturday.